Welcome back, folks, to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. On today's show, we have the legend himself, Clay Otto. That's right, recipient of the Paul Hafner Award for service to the lighting industry. Um, born and uh, born and bred in St. Louis, Missouri. Married to a wife, Allison, two kids. He's got a BS in accounting, an MBA. He's been active in the lighting business for a long time, since I was five years old. That's right, 1982. Owner and manager of Starbeam Lighting, LLC. Served nine years on the board. He was on the he was the past president's counsel when I was on the board for a year, so I had some fun working with him then. So for we're gonna get to him in a second though, and we're gonna talk about Nailed and his history. But before we go there, man, we gotta get crazy, Greg Eric. We gotta go to TCPI.com, brother. Yeah, right. Speaking of being crazy, they're crazy enough to be different on a flat panel. A lot of people have a flat panel fixture, but theirs is very different than the rest. Their Proline flat panel TCP series is pre installed with a quick disconnect on the side or on the top of the fixture. I've had that Ooh. issue before. Contractors have asked me, this comes either way, side or top. So that's important. Slim, lightweight, means less shipping costs, less space it takes up, backlit full diffusion, two by two, two by four, and to top it all off, wattage and color selectable. Woo, I was waiting for that. I was waiting for the wattage <laughs> and color selectable, brother, waiting, 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 and there it comes in at the end, the craziest people in lighting tcpi.com that's right folks tcp longtime members of the national association of innovative lighting distributors get educated get associated ls1 is ready ls evolve is out so come on down to the national association of innovative lighting distributors greg naild.org but for right now what's happening clay auto oh it's all good mike you know it's everything's easy going in the lighting world these days, right? <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> Tell us how. Well, when you're out to save the planet one watt at a time, it's a big job. That's how it works. So give us your background, Clay. I, I know a little bit, but a lot of our listeners don't. So you started in lighting in 1982. Why did you get into lighting? Well, I got into lighting right out of college. It was my first job. Um, you know, once you get into the lighting business, you can never get out. It's kind of like the Hotel California. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> and um, tried to get out a few times, but unsuccessfully, and thank God I didn't. Yeah. So just no relation to anybody that had the business? You just got into it as a job and worked your way in? Well, I, I did summer work for the guy who owned the company. So it was he wanted to hire me right out of college, and that worked for me and saved me the aggravation of looking for a job. Here I am. There you go. And your role with it to begin with, was it right in accounting or did you do other things in lighting? Oh, I started out in purchasing and then I moved in different segments of the business. And um, it, we're a small company, so he sort of had an informal management training program where I worked in all the departments and learned how everything works. You guys know how it is when you run a small business, you wear a lot of hats. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what's interesting about the Hotel California, you know, um, Godfather, they keep dragging me back in kind of idea with lighting. <laughs> it's interesting how that is. There's a lot of people that have these stories where, you know, they, they come out of college and most people don't even know how many diverse and wonderful careers there are in the lighting industry. We're not that good at, at telling people maybe we're doing that on purpose to keep out all, to keep people out because it's so good. But, um, you know, uh, is it because of the high profit margins? Is it because of the people in the industry? Is it 
uh, because there really isn't a college track for lighting. There's no, you know, lighting engineers. They're, they're starting to emerge now at different places where there's educational programs. But in the past, you know, there wasn't like an educational stream for lighting. What is it about lighting that makes it so um, industry trained and you come up in the industry and you learn to love it? What is it specifically for you? And then what do you think, though, why the theme is, is for, seems to be for everybody that way? For me, I, I would say it's probably the people to start with. Um, mm. To your point, there was no formal training. So you get into it and it's constantly evolving and constantly changing. So there's always a new challenge to conquer, mm. um, which is nice. It would have been, thank God for the LS program, because that's really helped with the training. And we used to really struggle with that. We'd stick people mm. shadowing them on the you know, counter sales first because... You know, at the counter, you get asked every question you can imagine. So that's a, mm -hmm. the quickest way to learn. And you remember, you guys might be too young for this, but back in the old days, we used to have these big files of manufacturers' catalogs. And you mm -hmm. just flip through them looking for the, the oh, right yeah. product to solve the right solution. <laughs> I used I to have know, so just... much fun going through cat. Like, I, I, I hate to say fun, but that's what it was. I used to open up, like, there was a company in Canada called Standard Products. Um, We've interviewed the, the CEO of Standard Products a couple times, Greg, on the show, uh -huh. uh, David Nathaniel. He used to put out this phone book, man. And you would open that phone book up and it would have everything sorted by the different categories and then educational pieces about the different kinds of bases and pages of cross-references and stuff like that. In the age of the internet, there's something lost with holding that book of knowledge or that catalog, the big Phillips, uh, the standard products catalog was the one I always turned to. But there's something lost with that where you, the guide of the way through it, the internet doesn't seem to work the same way. It seems to give you what you want and stop you there. And then there's no kind of segue off to all the bases and miniatures, for example, or something. Um, I agree with that. I mean, some of my old guys will occasionally just pull out a catalog because they're much faster at finding it on the catalog than, you know, going out on the Internet and going to the manufacturer's website. You can't have every manufacturer's website up on your desktop. I mean, no, you'd be sitting there flipping around forever. But there was something about opening it up, Greg, and you'd go to the section, and then you would see that a 50-watt MR16 came in 25 different degrees of spot and flood. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, what the heck? Like, what do they need all these for? You know what I mean? And then they had all the information there, and then, you know, you'd be like, wow, that's actually a pretty cool lamp. And then, like I said, with the miniatures, or you go to the aircraft lighting, or the airport lighting section, poof, poof. And there's all these different lamps for airports with weird bases on it. I mean, Spencer Miles is another one that got his education through all these manufacturer catalogs. I feel like the manufacturers with the loss of the big three kind of, they're not gone from lighting, but their role in the industry is reduced. They were major powerhouses in education that you didn't really, we kind of took for granted, Clay. Well, I agree. I agree. And the, the reason we were initially joined Nailed, was just to get access to the right people at the, at the various manufacturers, whether it was the big three or then the ballast guys. Mm. Um, and that was the conduit to actually get to meet you know, people in power rather than just your local sales guy who wandered in and knocked on the door. Now, most of the time, you don't even have a local sales rep. Yeah, that does, right. and they usually don't work for the company. That's the other thing. Right, they're into, right you're right. They're manufacturer reps rather than the, yeah. The, yeah, so I had a matter of changing now too. That's a <laughs> oh. problem. You know, they, they change from even the majors. They used to be set, but now all of them are changing. So it's like, to me, a manufacturer rep, I, I, I want to deal with a company rep myself. Mm -hmm. I don't right. know how you guys feel, but otherwise. But to your point, Michael, I think the big three really kept 
the lighting world organized. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you were either a GE house or a Sylvania house or whatever, Phillips house. Now you everybody sells everything. There's no virtually no loyalty. Your mm-hmm. manufacturer rep may come in and offer four or five different LED lines, and you're scratching your head, and you're thinking, what the heck? You want my good line? You want my better line? You want my best line? It's it's difficult. Well, so yeah, listen, I had a, I had a guy call me up. Okay, he he, I'm, both are nailed members. I'm not going to say who they are. Okay, both manufacturers are nailed members. He represents both of them. They both sell the same products. Okay, <laughs> so he's like, you don't, you're not doing enough with this company. It's like, well, it's going to the other company. You like, you get a Rob Peter to pay Paul here. Like right. a lot of, I think a lot of manufacturers don't realize that their reps are kind of in a conflict of interest position sometimes with all these lines they're carrying and everything else. But you know, you know what, what you mentioned there about keeping the lighting industry organized. I was thinking about this um, a long time ago. I bought this. You know that company Steel, S T I H L. They make they're a German chainsaws. company. They make, they make chainsaws and yeah. yard equipment and all that yep. sort of stuff. You go into the this dealership in the town I live where he sell his, his yard equipment is steel, right? And you go in there and they are loyal to steel. They f- service what they sell. They have all the parts in stock. If the thing breaks, you can fix it. And you, there's steel hats and steel jackets and everything there. That's what they sell. And, that, that, and it's actually really good quality stuff and everything else. The lighting industry has, has, has lost that. I mean, I remember going to the nail conference in 2006 and there was still some vestiges of like, I'm a Phillips house and we hang out with the Phillips guys and the GE guys are over here and the Sylvania guys were here. And even though there was like this locker room attitude about it, there's something useful in that, that, it, that I think is gone where you're talking about loyalty or service when what you sell that involves warranty and relationships. I think it's largely gone clay from the industry um, with that regard. Do you feel the same way? I agree completely. And I think it's, it's a big detriment to the industry because it leads to rapid price erosion. Mm, I mean, yes. before oh. the big three sort of maintained a water level, if you will, in the pricing, we won't get into that stupid SPA stuff, which I hate. Um, right. <laughs> but now, I mean, your your LED manufacturer is really no more than a distributor for some company in China. Mm-hmm. In my and to a large degree, not TCP. I, TCP owns the factories well, over there. The sponsor of this very show, true. they that's own the factories over there, and I've been to them, so I uh, I can attest that there's a lot of people working at those factories. So. It's one of the reasons we still support TCP. Yeah. So that's good. Um, but I think it's had a big detriment to the price stability in the industry. Now, when you say price stability, do you mean like swings or you mean like it's a race to the bottom and it's hard to differentiate between brands? Because there was a race time. Race to the bottom and race to the bottom and no differentiation. Like there was a time like when, you know, customers would say, I'd say, hey, why don't you buy, you know, this other brand? And they say, look, man, no one ever gets fired for selling G- buying GE, you know, or right. You get comments like that from customers. That's completely gone, even on the distribution side now. You never hear Virtually comments gone. like that anymore. Virtually gone, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And I was, what, what do you think, Clay? I mean, I, I've got our own opinions on why it happened, but did you see it coming uh, when LED first came, or where were you at in your head when you saw no, it? No, I didn't see it coming nearly as rapidly as it came. I mean, mm-hmm. who would ever think that Phillips was going to, 
export all or import all their LED lighting. And I didn't see it coming. Maybe you guys did, but no, no. <laughs> I mean, Mike, did I don't you see know. It? You usually profit. See it. Yeah, I mean. You know, I, I have a bit of a little bit of a uh, wizard's eye sometimes. I've called a lot of things, and Greg knows it. I've pointed out a lot of things before they happened. And so I, I, I did feel it. I felt the erosion of leadership early. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't, I don't call it their fault because I think the entire industry got taken, um, got sideswiped. And, and I call these people Johnny Come Lately and the Lighting Marauders. And this is the Silicon Valley crowd, the creative destruction people, okay? And you often hear, like, you know, college core, you need to be creative destruction, you need to be bold and go out there, <laughs> right? Yeah, you're, the, what, what they're talking about is Facebook and Google, right? And what we're talking about is mission-critical infrastructure, okay? And so what happened is you brought these principles from the Silicon Valley crowd where move fast and break things. Yeah, that's what we want to do. Yeah, you know, get the investment bankers behind you and fund a whole bunch of startups and da 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 That works great when you're talking about digital websites like Facebook and Uber and whatever, right? Very simple concepts where they, you know, what is Uber? Uber is the combination of Google Maps with geolocation on your phone. It's not that complicated. Pretty simple. So they blow a lot of their money on this sort of stuff. That spirit entered the lighting industry. And what we were talking about was mission-critical infrastructure, not websites. Okay? And so what happened was the IES got sidelined. I mean, remember we were talking to Randy Reed. He used to flip the bird at LED fixtures. You know what I mean? Back at, you know, people were like, hey, wait a second, wait a second. But I think what happened is nobody saw the power of the U.S. investment banking system once it gets its hooks into something and how much money it can push out then there was another force and i'm going on here a little bit but there was another force and that was the um the rebate crowd okay the utilities need to be told what to do by someone who, so they can guarantee the results of their project so you know what we're going to do all the utilities are going to fire all their lighting people and the dlc is going to tell them what to do Right. And that also happened. And so what happened was you had you had simultaneously a whole bunch of money being poured into the LED lighting business. So there's money sloshing around everybody everywhere. People can go to China with a hundred thousand dollars and come back with a container of lamps. And now they're a lighting manufacturer. I'm putting quotations in the air for those listening to the podcast. Okay, and then all of a sudden you have the DLC that comes along and slaps their label on everything. And so now the only brand that matters is DLC approval. And so the power of the of the uh, the lighting industry got sideswiped, taken down, taken out, and ditched. And it was our own fault, but we got taken out by non-lighting people. And it's happening again in other arenas, and we're fighting it as nailed. So you should join nailed and support us more because you want to support people that are fighting for people that know how the lighting industry works. But anyway, Clay, what there was a lot of different forces that were coming together all at the same time. There was a force that was reducing the value of real brands and real brand power. And there was a force of allowing people to enter the industry with very low capital cost infrastructure. So in the past, you would have to build a fluorescent lamp manufacturing company, or you'd have to cut a deal with that plant in Germany to make your fluorescent tubes. And these things were all hurdles to get over and very difficult. And it went to, yeah, you go to China with 50,000 bucks, you come back with a DLC label and off you go. And so that changed. And so it became very cheap to become a lighting manufacturer. Greg and I did decided not to do it in 2014, even though we could have. 
And um, yeah, so I think that I'm going on a long time here, but I think there's a, there was a lot of forces. The lighting industry needs to, because there's another, there's another bunch of changes that are coming from the same forces of white tower, ivory tower people that want to use our industry for their agenda. The last one was environmental climate change and stuff, which was great. We saved lots of energy, but now we use way too much light and we created a whole bunch of light pollution. So there's problems on the other end, right? So we, the lighting industry has to stop getting pushed around and come to the forefront as a group and say, no, you're not taking over our industry. We're in charge of it. The lighting people, you've been in the game 40 years. How come no one's asked you to be on a panel? I'm serious. Well, you understand what I mean? I agree with you. And, um, not to sound like a real old guy, but that evolution that you just detailed has been at the detriment of the lighting. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you if you if you really try and do lighting correctly, all those forces were working against you because it mm-hmm. became <clears throat> just a dollar and cents thing, not light for the task or light for whatever you're trying to do, and that's been an annoyance to me the whole time. It's, it is, and, and, and you know what the problem is, is you, uh, Johnny come lately in the lighting marauders. They don't care. Right. They, have no, they have no roots in the industry. They don't, they don't really, you know, they just, they're there for a quick buck, and that's what they're there for. Oh, yeah, last 10 years. How, what do you mean, hundreds, how many hours have you been in business for? Oh, 6,000, also nine months, right? <laughs> and you're making 10-year promises. Like, come on. Right. So... Yeah, we got it. We, what we have to do it nailed, and with the other associations, and what we're trying to do, Clay, is give the lighting industry a voice at the table when it comes. I think to that's these very issues. important, and Absolutely. I think we need to also take it to the electrical producers. I fight tooth mm-hmm. and nail with my utility here. Um, they try and protect the consumer by mandating, okay, if we're going to give you this rebate on this lighting, it's got to be a hundred thousand hour product. Like you don't want it to be a hundred thousand hour product. In two years, I can sell you a better product that uses half the electricity. And so it's just this huge disconnect. To your point, that you know the money's just driving things all out of proportion in the wrong direction. I think. And a lot of people don't understand what rated average life means. Like (laughs) rated average life is the same thing now as it was then. It's just it's it's just after we estimated, we put them in a microwave under accelerated testing or whatever, and after fifty percent of the time, fifty percent were still working. And so we times that by a hundred and that means a hundred thousand hours. That's how they make these calculations. Okay? What I tell people every all day long, and Greg, you're probably the same boat, it's two or three fluorescent lamp tubes. That's the life of your bulb. Right. Right. Or your fixture. Well, and the nice thing about a tube is you're going to place it. Some yeah. of the early generation LED fixtures were disposable. Goes out, sorry, we can't service it. Throw it away. Well, that's the that, that's the where that's where the environmental question. That's where you got to really look at it, right? So, is it you know is it an exercise in futility to save 150 watts on a on a on a fixture or whatever 200 watts on a fixture, but the life cycle of the fixture is reduced by 75 percent. Like think right. about that for a second. Right. So you used to you're an accountant. How what what would you what would be the generally accepted accounting principles for the amortization of uh, an asset fixed to real property, which is a light fixture? Twenty five years? Would you amortize it? Forty. Well, years? If, yeah, if it's considered a leasehold improvement, at least twenty five years. Yeah. Exactly, but the fixture is not going to last that long. No. 
Not if you right. can't service it. <laughs> that's a, that's right. the dilemma, right? Greg, get us out of this hole we're in. Yes, no, no, it's good. So, so, so Clay, I like, we like to start with a timeline, then go off on a whole tangent, then get back to the timeline. So, when did you become okay. owner of Starbeam? <laughs> yeah. uh, 2014. The guy I originally okay. started working for, he wouldn't sell it to to me, and so I had to wait for him to die, and then I bought it from the family. Hmm. Okay. Kind of a morbid and story, it, <laughs> but he enjoyed coming right. into the office. He was 93 years old there at the end, and he'd come in wow. and gave him something to do. And so I appreciated him. When did Starbeam start? 1970. So. We were one of the pioneers in the specialty lighting distributor business. Um, right. Actually, it was Alpha Distributing before that, and we used to sell vacuum tubes. I don't know if you guys are old enough to know what a vacuum tube is, mm -hmm. but things you used to drive your TV. Mm -hmm. When you oh, would fix your TV. That, that kind of vacuum. Right. Right. Yeah. So, Fixing and then TVs. they got into lighting. Right. right. 1970. Yeah, 1970. So the, what is your relationship to Archway then? How does that work out? Well, um, in the late 80s, Maybe it was the mid '80s. Um, you know, Jack Villa. You're familiar with Villa Lighting, sure. Big player mm -hmm. in the whole electrical business. He was a Westinghouse distributor at that time. Starbeam was a GE distributor at that time, and GE went and solicited Villa, and Villa switched from Westinghouse to GE. Um, then Westinghouse came to my owner. And said, hey, why don't you switch from GE to Westinghouse? This is back in the loyalty <laughs> days. And yep. he said, well, I got a better idea. I'll just open a new company, Archway Lighting. And that'll be the Westinghouse. In his mind, he'd get the inside track to both worlds and have his cake and eat it too, so to speak. What's that guy's name? Sure. Adolphus Orthwine. O-R-T-H-W-E-I-N. I love you, Adolphus. You're the man. <laughs> <laughs> I love that kind of attitude. I could do both. <laughs> well, if you think about it, he was a little ahead of himself because shortly yeah. after that, the world of SPAs bloomed. Yeah, sure. So yeah. he had insight into the Westinghouse, well, then it became Phillips, Phillips SPAs, and also the GE SPAs. So he, he hmm, gave, wow. gave him a little price knowledge advantage. You know, I feel and like no. the lighting... I just, I, I just on that note, the SPAs and all this kind of stuff. I feel like the lighting industry was better when there was ballast manufacturers, light source manufacturers, and fixture manufacturers. And now that like everything seems to be combined into one, you can't get an answer on a ballast. You can't get nobody knows anything about a ballast, right? Or nobody. And now drivers, it's like the the drivers are like you call some uh, you call up a manufacturer about a driver. Yeah, good luck with that, bud. <laughs> Does this driver work with this? You're not going to get an answer on that. Very, very difficult to, to solve that. So it, that's so it's crazy how the Westinghouse Phillips in Europe bought Westinghouse. That's correct, right? Do I have that correct? Did they buy uh, the Phillips in Europe bought Westinghouse. They, yeah, Phillips Europe bought Westinghouse, right? Right. Took over right. that, and then Osram bought Sylvania. Do I have that correct? correct? Right. Yeah, yeah. That's how the, that's how it came out. There you go. History I was lesson, nailed Greg. when Osram joined Nailed, and they were considered the outcast. Ooh, I mean, who are they the, coming in to Germans. disrupt the big threes? These Germans. <laughs> little organization here. 
So, so is uh, Starbeam and Archway are totally separate now? Oh, no. In 2012, um, the owner decided, why am I having all this duplication of efforts? So Starbeam bought Archway. Um, oh. Because we had to ran it as a whole separate company and really wasn't, you know, why not eliminate the duplication of purchasing agents, you know, counting people and all that and mm. bring it under one house. Okay. Because so, when I was looking, it looks like Archway is marine lighting focused. Is that well, right? we, that was a, um, we branched off many years ago into, you know, especially lighting business, if you can get a niche, you have an, you know, it's a, it's a good market. And some okay. people were in the, um, oh, the medica, medical business with all little specialty medical bulbs. This retired Phillips rep came to us and said, I think we need to go in the marine business, particularly the, what's known as the brown water marine, which is the inland waterway in the United States. Mm -hmm. so all these barges and things go up and down the river and they never stop because if they pull over, um, you know, they lose money. So there's this, all these little cottage industries up and down all these rivers are these guys who ferry supplies out to the barges as they drive by. So the barges never have to stop. And um, so we'd sell all the lighting and we made a network of all these little guys ferrying stuff out to that, out to the barges and supply the lighting for all these barges and tugboats and batteries and life vests and things as they go up and down the river. And then we were doing the same thing with all the offshore wells in the Gulf of Mexico. Um, but then they sort of dried up when fracking started. So that segment cut way back. And there's environmental issues with that stuff anyway. But so it's just this one little guy's idea of how to, you know, you can get this little niche business and make a lot of money at it. I love those little what niches. Kind of, they're awesome, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what what kind of lighting is it primarily? Is it still halogen? Are you going to LED? Are you retrofitting these? Or where are you guys at? Oh, it's it's all it's mostly LEDs. I mean, there's obviously the lights on the tugboats, but each corner of each barge has to be illuminated, and depending on where you are and the likes, and it has to be illuminated for so many miles. So other barges can see you if you park the barge on the side of the river for whatever reason it's all illuminated don't make too many notes greg stay out of my market <laughs> greg, greg's no, gonna I'm, tow, I'm, tow I his like boat this. down there he's gonna tow his boat and no. he's gonna start selling light bulbs I, I on boat <laughs> i wouldn't know how to do any of it but are you guys actually retrofitting barges in is that part of the business or is it uh already retrofitted most of them well the barges they're just magnetic lights for each corner you know red oh, okay. is on Got the it. left green's on the right and they move them from barge to barge and there's obviously <laughs> when you got workers who don't care a lot about them they fall in the river a lot so there's a constant replacement <laughs> business for them what's, <laughs> the, skew? Well, what's, the, skew? what's the skew number on that <laughs> <laughs> well keep it to archway <laughs> Oh, that's good. And that, that's one thing when I was looking on your website, I noticed you guys were picking little segments like that. Um, another one I saw was horticulture lighting. Are you actually getting into horticulture lighting? We're trying to. It's It's been a challenge. Um, again, a lot of the, well, Missouri legalized medical marijuana a couple of few years ago. And we've been trying to 
play in that field, but a lot of that is driven by the manufacturers. They sell that, a lot of that stuff direct, in my experience. So it's been a challenge. Yeah, yeah the, meta, the, the, the horticulture is kind of like electric vehicle charging stations. You know, if you want to distribute it, they'll give you 5%. And yeah. they sell direct to anybody, right? That's kind of where it that it's kind of reminds me of that. I tried to do it too, and it's just like, eh. And you also have to like it changes the lighting from being, um, like something that you do a task under to the actual focus of the manufacturing process, you know. And it's like you need to know about that, and I don't know. It, it seems like technical. a tough gig. Yeah, it's technical. That's right. Yeah, but that's where oh. we're supposed to we're supposed to shine at the technical stuff, right? Well, I mean, That's yeah, right. we, we, you know what, we're working on it on LS Evolve to do a horticultural lighting segment. But the question is, what, it's so cannabis heavy. Um, right. And like the, that, that, that industry is in, the, in a process of evolution from cannabis to other products now. And so we're, we've talked to a couple people to do an Ellis Evolve module on horticultural, and that's what they told me. It's like, ah, you're kind of in between it. Five years ago, you could have done something just on cannabis, and now you need to do something broader, and a lot of the information's emerging. Like, they have things that lights that you can program to make your tomatoes taste better. Like, it's, it's getting pretty wild now, what you right. can do with, with this kind of technology. So we're looking at I it. Nail is looking at it. I, had, you, I, I think you guys should pursue that, because I had a guy come in – and he was going to do all this indoor farming. He bought an mm -hmm. old warehouse in St. Louis and he was going to grow. Cause I guess if you do it indoors, you can control the growth patterns better for mm -hmm. the fruits and vegetables, particularly the vegetables. And he'd already lined up a lot of the higher end restaurants in St. Louis to buy his product mm. because the tomatoes were better. The whatever, the peppers were better, taste better. And, so I think that's yeah. A you can literally industry. do that with like a computer program. Remember that guy we right. interviewed over in Sweden, Greg? He was talking about yep. flavors in the thing, and it's this whatever with that. And Change the like, color temperature on the light. Apparently, you can tweak the the product. Yeah, gets you higher, gets you fuller, whatever you want right. for your dope, <laughs> your food. It's all lighting, brother. <laughs> well, and you can have multiple growing indoors. You can have grow seasons all year round. Sure. So. Right. I'd, I'd recommend uh, you're, you you're involved in that. Yeah, we should. And and uh, so you were on the nail board for nine years, something like that. Nine years, buddy. <laughs> nine <laughs> years. It's a long haul. Um, were you involved in the development of the LS program? Yeah, the yes. Initial one. Yes. Tell us about that process. Um. Gosh. That was. Well, you got to give Paul Hafner all the credit in the world for that, mm -hmm. um, because it was, you know, it was a novel idea that several of the board members came up with, and he sort of took the bull and ran with it, and developed the whole LS1 program, um, and the whole he really did the whole concept, and a lot of it was driven by um, oh gosh, I'm uh, uh, LC certification. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, we developed and we thought it nailed. We thought it'd be very good for the LC for a lot of us to have the LC certification. And to train our membership, we tasked Paul with developing the LS program as just sort of the education conduit to the LC certification. That worked out good. Do you remember what year that was when it first came into concept? 
Well, I'm going to say somewhere in the early 80s. Oh. No, that's not right. I'm sorry. That's wrong. Early 2000s. 90s. 2000s, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, early and 2000s. it's come, come a long way. And, yeah. yeah. And then well, we're Bill about Hart, to revamp LS2. We revamped LS1 last year. We launched LS Evolve. Yeah. And we're going to be revamping LS2 with the same principle to take it to what, Greg? The LC course, brother. Right. Yeah, that's right. Stepping stone. Keep going on the LC. A couple other areas. Human-centric lighting. What do you think of that? Is that happening for real? I had a manufacturer today tell me that's the future. And I'm like, maybe. I think that's important, um, especially yeah. if you read more and more of these medical papers about light, color of light affecting mood swings and things like that and your biorhythms if you're believing that and i agree i mean bright sunny day i'm in a lot better mood than i am when it's cold and rainy true so, so <laughs> does anybody want me to weigh in <laughs> sure. I, I kind of i'm gonna, I'm gonna bounce you, this off you okay so the lighting industry for my entire career has been snake oil everywhere you know, going back to curing seasonal defected, affected disorder, you know, paracube lenses, um, you know, there was always a sunshine ball, but, you know, even the naming of the color temperatures was kind of deceptive. Daylight, uh, too. Daylight, yeah, daylight, <laughs> cool white, you know, war whatever. So, you know, I'm, I know that there are people that have done real research on this, you know, Dr. Mark Ray, Dr. Marianne Figueroa, all these kinds of things, but... I don't. I ha, I think it's going to be difficult for serious lighting people. I think you're going to have Johnny Come Lately. He's going to reemerge. He's going to come up back from the dead. Johnny Come Lately and the Lighting Marauders are going to come back from the dead, and they're going to have a new album put out, and it's going to be called "Improve Your Mood with Lighting." And they're going to run around, <laughs> and they're going to be selling people some crazy sh stuff. And so I think the industry we got to get on top of this stuff and message it correctly and not allow. You know, um, the I don't even know if we can allow it, but just you know, train people, guys. Listen, gals out there, baby steps here, okay? Um, you know, really, remember, we had another fellow come on the show. We said we need five thousand lux vertical in all rooms. Like that's like that's like three times of a paint booth. Clay, all right? Can you imagine walking into a room with vertical mounted fixtures? 5,000 lux on the vertical plane. Have you ever been in a paint booth? Have you ever been in a I paint have. booth? Well, yeah. I have. It's, I have. It's pressure, man. The light it's is literally bright. pressure on you, right? And this way, you start, well, outside, the sunlight, listen, it's not the same thing. The sunlight and whatever you're making in your LED fixture, those two things are not the same thing. And you cannot just say the lux is the same, thus the effect is the same. I don't think so. I think we got to go back to... The Lighting Research Center, Mark Ray, Dr. Mark Ray, Maria Figaro, and these people here, and just get make sure that the, there's a there is an agreement between the manufacturers, the academics, first, and they say, yeah, actually, yeah, five thousand lux. We tested it in a double blind survey, and you know what? The people on the five thousand lux vertical side, they didn't get sunburned or die or have their eyes burned out, or and and guess what? Too, their, their diabetes, their diabetes went away, and they uh, lost fifty pounds. And you know, we need like real research. We cannot be saying that the sun outside is five thousand lux in the shade, and so inside we need five thousand lux. 
that is um, a correlation. It's not, it, there's no, absolutely no way that you know that that's going to improve people's moods. And you know what? What I find, you hand someone, you give someone the ability to dim their lights, they dim them. You know, I that's what, that's what every lighting distributor will tell you. So I want us as an industry, Greg, we need, after talking to Clay, we need to set up like four more committees and nailed now just because of Clay. <laughs> Thanks, Clay. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and no, I don't have any time to chair one of those. Uh, oh. See? See? It's just past president's council is telling us what's up, Greg. Uh, right. Clay, you have any final thoughts for the nailed listeners out there in the industry in general that listen to the show? Well, I'd, I'd highly recommend anybody who isn't a nail that they join. It's a tremendous organization. And if you want to be successful in the lighting business and do the right job in the lighting business, you need to be a part of nailed. Mm. That message hasn't changed for whatever many years I've been a member. Well, folks, if you made it to the end, we got to remind you to get crazy up and down the river with Clay Auto. We're going back to TCP. <laughs> That's right. Technical consumer products, tcpi.com. The craziest people in lighting, Greg Eric. That's right. They're pro-line flat panel fixture. We talked about it being different. You know, we talked about today a lot of things are the same, but they actually make theirs a little different. Backlit, color selectable, 2x2, two 2x4, by two, two by slim profile, but then that quick disconnect built onto it from the side or the top makes the install easy. you got to go to tcpi.com, check them out. And, of course, the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, TCP, has been a long-time member. They've been around since I've been in Nailed, which is a long time now. But, uh, yeah, we thank them for that. But also, if you're out there, you heard what Clay said. He's been in the game 40 years almost, 39 years, maybe coming up on 40, something like that. Started started as an employee, did all the jobs and the thing, ended up buying the company. Come on, you got to get into Nailed. Go to NAILD.org, baby, that's Nailed.org. And, of course, if you made it to the end, we love you guys out there, you guys and girls out there that listen to this show. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Bye for now.